Well, I want to talk to you tonight about uh, God's two books. If you've gotten your midweekly and you see that's going to be kind of our, our subject tonight. But before I get into these God two books, I want to revisit just for a moment or two what we talked about last Wednesday night. If you were present last Wednesday night, uh, the emphasis was on the importance of memorizing Bible verses. And uh, I mentioned several reasons that I think that it's very, very important that we memorize Bible verses. Now, I realize in our day and time, uh, memorizing things, especially Bible verses, is somewhat archaic. People think, well, you know, that's what people did a long time ago. Well, it is what people did a long time ago, and it was good. You know, there was a period in education, not just in churches, but education where they said the way you teach, you don't memorize things. What you do, you just get the general idea. And we raised us a generation believing that, and they still hadn't figured out where they are. And so the education people decided, no, you know, memorizing things is not all that bad. Well, I'm telling you, when it comes to Bible verses, memorizing things is very, very important. Now, if I were a lawyer, and I'm not, but I think I'd be a good lawyer. I don't know. But if you were a jury, and you're not, but as I look around, you would be a pretty good jury. There'd be a couple here I'd scratch if I were the lawyer. But anyway, if I were a lawyer and you were a jury, and, and it was my job to convince you as the jury why is it important to memorize Bible verses, I would say two or three things that I think are very, very important. First of all, I would say memorizing Bible verses puts God thoughts in your mind. Now that's true. We live in a day and time where we're bombarded from every angle with stuff. You know, much of it is very negative. And if you're not careful, your mind just, just begins to fill up with all this. So, but if you've memorized Bible verses, what you've done, you've put God thoughts into your mind. So that'd be my first big deal I'd try to convince you as a jury. Number two, I would want to convince you, if I could, that memorizing Bible verses makes the Bible portable. In other words, you and I don't walk around every day with our Bible. So, you know, if we want to read a verse, we always have it. Listen, now, we do have our phones. And many of us have a, a Bible app on our phone, which is a very good thing because many times I'm somewhere waiting. I don't have my Bible in hand, but I have my phone, and I can pull up and read about anything I want to read. But if you have it up here, it's even better than having it in your phone. And then memorizing Bible verses helps you when you have a need or if you're around someone that has a need. Nothing brings more comfort to people going through hard things than to say a verse that you've memorized or a verse that's helped you or, or, or whatever. I just find that to be a very, very comforting thing. I'll be in a funeral in the morning. And what I know is this. It's a very sad funeral. A 50-something-year-old man is de dead. Here's what makes it sad. About six weeks ago, I buried his wife. And then about a year ago, uh, I buried her mother. And so, in fact, I've buried about six or seven in this family. As far as the immediate family, none are members of our church. 
And uh, there is a member of our church that is kind of an extended member of this family. And except for our one member, this extended member of the family, by and large, all of these people are Catholics. And they keep calling me father. I keep trying to explain to them, you know, whatever. But I'll tell you what, what I know is this, what will bring comfort to a family tomorrow is what always brings comfort. It's reminding people of what God's Word says about what they're going through. So it's a wonderful thing. Now, I mentioned last Wednesday night this book, 100 Bible Verses. And Daddy, I want you to come because today she knew I was going to go back to this book and she began to tell me what I needed to tell you. And I said, you know, you are the one that introduced, come please, you're the one that introduced the book, told me about the book. And so I said, why don't you come up and say a little word about the book? So you come, if you will, right here. I'm going to ask you one question. You come up near me. I'm okay. Are you turning this over to me? Not yet. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I just wanted to I'm going to ask her one question and okay. then I'm going to do something very dangerous. Now, here's my question. Okay. Seriously, how did you ever learn about the book? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, a friend, a very dear friend from East Texas called me one day, and she said, Dottie, I've got this most wonderful book, and I'm teaching some of the ladies in our church this book. And I said, what is it? And this is the book, 100 Bible Verses. And so I rushed right out uh, and got, well, in fact, I ordered it and got a couple of those. I uh, have been leading a Bible study with two friends, and our book has expired. And so I said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. So three of us now have the book, and we just love it. Okay, the first thing that I would suggest... I haven't turned you loose yet. This is the dangerous thing. <laughs> I'm just going to turn her loose. Now, remember, I have some stuff to teach. So oh, okay. Okay. I don't ever get this Tell chance. us some things that would help us with this book. Okay, I'll tell you one thing that would help you. First of all, there are about 42 pages at the very beginning. Read those pages. And don't speed read them, but read them slowly enough to have those uh, words just to permeate in your mind and in your heart. And then you can go into the next session where uh, they have the Bible. I think there are, there are 100 uh, verses to memorize, and they're really pretty simple, but they're really pretty wonderful. And so what I like to do when I memorize um, this little, if you can just see it, it's just a little um, index card, spiral index cards. And I like to, when I memorize a verse, I like just to write it on this little card. And this is... Uh, something that I can keep in my purse or for a man in his satchel. And then I like to, to when I'm memorizing, I like to look at them frequently to make sure that I'm memorizing them properly. One thing, and he just said it, about memorizing scriptures, you always have it with you. And whenever you need it, if it's engraved in your heart, God's going to bring it to your mind. And every time... It's going to bless you. And I'm grateful that I grew up 100 years ago when my teachers uh, said, okay, class, you're going to memorize scriptures. And, you know, maybe I didn't like it too much then, but I tell you what, those verses are engraved in my heart. So you will love this book. How did I do? You did. Let's just okay. give her a hand. You did. <laughs> give John that mic. He'll put it back. Oh, okay. John, put them in, and you get her back down those steps. All right. Thank you, Dot. Okay. Now, 
in the bookstore, there are, they, they ordered 50 of these books. And so in the bookstore, if you'd like one of these, they're $8 each. And I said this last week, the first 44 pages of this book, Dottie mentioned that a moment ago, they're, they're worth five times the price of the book. There's some really good material in the first 44 pages of this book that would help you whether you were going to memorize it. Now, he lists, after you get on page 44, he lists these 100 verses. I'm not suggesting these be the verses you memorize. You might want to memorize some. You may want to make up your own list. But I would say to you, I would encourage you, if you want to get something that will help you, in the back of the book, there's some tips on how to memorize Bible verses, some little things that will help you. So maybe this will be good. Now, tonight, I want to talk to you, though, about another book. In fact, I want to talk to you tonight about two other books. And you say, well, who are, they're two of God's books. And you say, well, I, I just thought God wrote one book. Here it is, the Bible. And I know in the Bible there's 66 books, but we, we call this the book, the Bible, the Scriptures. And, of course, we know and believe that God inspired Scripture. You know, God is the author and the originator of Scripture. And we'll be talking about Scripture tonight. Now, what God did... He chose, and the Bible teaches us this over in the book of Peter, he chose human writers to write what he inspired them to write, the Holy Spirit. But God is the author. And now you say, well, that's a book. Well, I want you to open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Psalms and look with me in Psalm 19. It's one of the most beautiful Psalms. As you're turning to that, you know, Psalms is such a great, great book. The book of Psalms, of course, we know this was a hymn book. This was like their song book that they used back when the Hebrew people would meet to worship. They sang these Psalms. And uh, these Psalms are written over a period of a thousand years. In fact, from about 1400 B.C., uh, back to the to the time of Moses, all the way to the time when the Hebrew people came back from exile, which was about 450 B.C. So during that thousand-year period, different men that God chose wrote these different psalms. And of course, we know David, whatever Bible you have, most of your Bibles, or most of the Bibles today, it will have little inscriptions saying like, uh, who wrote this psalm? Like I'm just glancing down now at Psalm 4. It says a psalm of David. Uh, psalm 3, a psalm of David. And so throughout the book of Psalms, you'll see me a little description of Psalm of David. Actually, there are 73 psalms in the book. There are 150 psalms. 73 of those are ascribed unquestionably to David by Bible scholars. Now, in addition to that, there are three more Psalms of David, not inscribed in your Bible as these other 73, but over in the New Testament, they allude back to those Psalms. So we know then David really wrote 76, and some scholars think he may have written three more. Now, I just say that to say David wrote far more Psalms than any of the other writers in the book, but it really doesn't matter. All of these people, David included, they were just human beings. They were writers. They didn't originate this. The Holy Spirit did. Uh, they're not the author, really. They're the writer. 
and it really helps me when I think about that. Now, when you come to Psalm number 19, when you look in Psalm number 19, uh, it's interesting because in this Psalm, we have, we have these, these two books. And, you, and I'll tell you what they are, and then we're going to read the Scripture. One of these books, uh, God reveals himself, uh, I'm going to say it this way, in the sky, S-K-Y. And in the second part of this psalm, God reveals himself in the scriptures. And so when we talk about God's two books, what are these two books? Well, one, the sky, the heavens, his creation. We'll read about that. God reveals himself in creation. That's, that's one way God reveals himself. Now, another way that God reveals himself, and the major way for you and for me, is in the scriptures. So you could say one way is in the world that he created, and the other way you'd say in the world, in the word that he inspired. So look in Psalm number 19, and let's just read, let me read these. Now here's the first part, God revealing himself in the sky, in the, in the world. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit is to the other end. And there's nothing hidden from his heat. Now, that would be a good Wednesday night Bible study. To just dive into that and talk about all the different ways in those six verses that God reveals himself in, in the heavens, in the world in the firmament, in all of his creations, the sun, the stars, and, and all of that. Now, when you come to verse number 7 and following, you have the second book, God's book number 2, and that is God reveals himself in the Scripture. Let me read it first. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. And then here's a verse that probably most of us have pretty well memorized. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, in a moment, I'm going to get into all that. Let me say a little word. I think I mentioned it last week. One of, the, one of the blessings of our day is all these different translations. And, you know, whatever translation you can understand that's credible, and most all these translations are that, but one of the 
this is my opinion, one of the downsides of all these different translations is like the newer ones are hard to memorize. It's easier to memorize, for example, from the old King James, 1611, or the new King James. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a rhyme, there's a rhythm. In, in, but then these other translations, now it's interesting I say that, my life verse, my life verse. Now remember, my life verse doesn't mean it's got to be my verse the rest of my life. However, it's been my life verse for about four, five, or six years. It's Psalm 16, verse 8. And I have it memorized. I fixed to contradict what I just said <laughs> in the NIV. I love it in the NIV. The, the New King James, every time I read it in the New King James, I just think, surely they could have done better. But the NIV, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Don't you like that? Are y'all okay? Y'all seem so serious or something. Um, I'm telling you, you ought to just jot that verse down and memorize it whatever you want to. But that's a great verse. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. And with him in my right hand, I'll not be shaken. Comes matters not what comes if I can just do that. And I can do it if I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Well, I just encourage you. I mean, use whatever translation you like. But that said, uh, these newer translations, to me, are difficult to memorize. And look. You don't have to memorize every word perfect. I mean, that's not the point. We're not trying to pass a test. We're trying to memorize Bible verses, see what the Bible verses say, and then ask God help us apply them to our lives. That's the whole value of the whole deal. Now, let's look at this deal here about uh, this, this revelation of God uh, in, in scriptures, in his word. Now, if you take your little sheet, I have said in Psalm 19, there are four synonyms for God's word. And I'm going to, if you underline in your Bible, you may want to underline this, but at least you could jot it down in the blank and go back home and ponder it. Well, look with me and, and we'll, I'll just show them to you. Uh, in verse seven, it's the law, L-A-W. Now that's, a, in, the, in this scripture, that is a synonym for God's word. Here, God's word is referred to as a law. If you look down below that in verse 7, the testimony. That's a second synonym that the scriptures give in Psalm 19 for God's word, the Bible, Holy Scripture. Then if you look in verse 8, the statutes. That's another synonym for God's word. And then in verse 8 also, the commandment of the Lord. And so we have these four synonyms for 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 God's word. Now, interesting to me is you know, God reveals himself in the scriptures, but it's also and we'll go on and fill in these little synonyms. Each one of these synonyms that I've just mentioned, uh, it it tells what it does. To me that is the exciting thing. For example, uh, in verse number 7, uh, the law, a synonym for God's word, is the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul is how this New King James translates that, converting the soul. Uh, that, that whole idea of converting the soul, 
uh, is, is very, very, very interesting. It, it just means, it's the idea of bringing someone back and talking here about bringing a person back to God. That's the, that's the whole literal idea of this word converting. So here's one of the things that, that God, it, it, it challenges us. And, and there it is. So when you read the word of God, whether you're memorizing it or you're just reading it and thinking about what you're reading, what you will find is time and time again, it will challenge you in various different ways. It's just amazing how it works that way. And, and not only that, uh, God's, word, God's word cheers us. And we see that in verse number 8. The statue of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Uh, you know, as you read the Bible, not, not every verse in the Bible is going to cheer you, but boy, so much of the Scripture just, you know, just kind of lifts your spirit and, and, and just, just changes how you see things and changes how you feel about things. And that, that's the power. This is why Satan does not want God's people to read God's Word. Now, non-believers are not going to be reading God's Word very much. Sad, believers don't read God's Word much more. Now, you may be the exception. I hope you are. But by and large, most uh, professing evangelical Christians, believers, they, they don't really read Bible very much. They may bring it to church or they may pick it up every now and then, but just really to have some time to read the Word of God. Well, wouldn't you agree, I think you'd agree, in, in this day and time with what we're going through, don't you kind of need cheering up? You know, I don't know about you, but I get up every morning to see what our hospital county is downtown, see how many new people have, you know, the virus, and uh, hear about what's happening in the emergency room, and, you know, how does it compare to yesterday, and, you know, what's the projection for? Well, that's just one thing. I mean, there are just so many things. I, I'm going to tell the story uh, Sunday morning, but I made a phone call late this afternoon to a man, not a member of our church, but a man who's... Uh, very high up in management at a company. Well, it's it's a, it's actually it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a funeral home. You know these funeral homes, except for the couple that are local owned, like they're all they're all part of a like like Grandview and Forest Park East and others. They're part of one company, and then there are other funeral homes that are part of another. So you've got these two companies that bought up all these funeral homes. Well, we had a little issue with a funeral home that needed to be dealt with, and. Yeah, I thought, now, nah, you know, I have to work with these people, so I don't want to create a war, but, you know, what they've done here is just, like, it's inexcusable. And um, I thought, so, and, and I was telling John yesterday about how, how I plan to deal with it, and he said, Dad, I think there's a better way to deal with it. I love that about John. He can tell me how to do things better. And I said, well, what do you recommend I do? He said, well, if you just call this one guy, he said, he could handle that and it wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings. and So I called the guy today, and he left my voicemail, and later on today he called me back. And when we started the conversation, I hadn't talked to him in a while. Over the years, I've dealt with him a lot. I just said, well, how, how are you doing? And he responded, well, I'm, I'm just trying to get my life back together. I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, he said, my son in June was killed by a drunk driver, 30-something years of age. And I said, my gracious. I said, 
I'm just so, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I said, even more so, I'm, I did, I've not heard anything. He said, I should have called John. I should have called you. He said, you know, <laughs> there's a hundred people I should have called. He said, when you have a thing like that, your mind just, it just freezes. He said, so forgive me for not calling. I said, well, you know, we talked a few minutes. And he said, you know, it's an interesting thing about my son. Now, this guy doesn't go to our church, this daddy. He said, a member of your church was about my son's age and a friend. And he invited my son who needed to go to church. <laughs> he invited him to church and bought him a Bible. And he said, the last two Sundays of my son's life, he was in your church. Because one of your members invited him to church and bought him a Bible. And he said, I'm just going to build my hope that maybe on one of those two Sundays, when y'all give that invitation to stand up, that my boy stood up. You know, when I finished that conversation, then he said, now what was it you called me about? I said, well, my little problem Let's just talk about it else uh, some other time. I, I said, this. but here, that, that really, you know, people, and you, you can bet Sunday I'll be back to that story. We, something as simple as inviting somebody to church, we just never know, do we? Could I have amen to that? And the peace, if there be any, that that father has, my son's last two Sundays he sat in First Baptist Church. And he said, I know if he came, he heard how to be saved. And I'm praying that he made a decision. I hope he did. So I just encourage you. It really encouraged me. It really encouraged me. And then I had another thing happen this morning, but I can't tell about it. If I do, I won't finish my Bible study. That just, uh, I, I just tell you, folks, listen. I don't think I've ever seen people more open to hearing about God that I'm seeing in this day and time. Have you, have you experienced any of this? I mean, people, people seem, well, John's mentioned it. We've had more people stand for salvation during this whole COVID time, by far, than we had seen make decisions that for the Lord in no town how long. I mean, some Sundays, 20 and plus people. Just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we're seeing people saved, and we bless the Lord for that. So I just say that to say this. If, if you see a little opportunity, just invite somebody to church. They may come. They may not come. That's all. You plant the seed. You just never know. Now, I have the name of this member that invited him. I must say the name didn't ring a bell with me, but I think it did with John. But I want to personally tell that person, thank you on behalf of that boy's daddy for inviting that boy to church. Well, the Word of God challenges us. The Word of God cheers us. You know, a depressed, <laughs> a depressed, dejected, uh, dispirited believer is a poor recommendation for the Christian faith. It really is. And let me ask you to write a little verse down. I'm going to turn to it. Write this verse down in, 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 in 1 Peter, in chapter number 3. It's a very interesting verse. In number 15, 
you remember this verse says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts always. Now listen, be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. You know, this word hope is like a kinfolk to the word optimism. If you study the root of the word optimism and you study the root of the word hope, they both come out of the same root. This Now, of course, you, you know, optimism, we all want to be optimistic, but if you're just building your optimism on positive thinking, that just every day things are going to be better than yesterday, well, the truth is every day things may not be better than yesterday, but if we have the hope that we have in God with the Holy Spirit of God living in us, but here's the bottom line of that. We want to be people, you and I, we want to be people that as we go through life, other people look and see something real. The, this hope, this, this confidence, and this, this gladness, and the Word of God gives that in a very special way. And then God's Word changes us. Look in verses 9 and 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You say, well, how does God's Word change us? Well, number one, it, it cleanses us. You see it in verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean. Now remember that little phrase, the fear of the Lord Dr. Kendall has, I think, the best explanation of that phrase. And in, in Proverbs, you run across it all the time. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. Well, it means more than just, you know, sometimes, well, that just means you respect God. Well, it does mean you respect God. But if you want to flesh that out, it means you respect God's ways as revealed in His Word so that you choose His opinion over that of anybody else. That's really what the fear of the Lord. And if you just said, well, it just means you respect God. Well, it does mean you respect God. But it, it, if you want to get out where we really live, it means that you, you, you respect God in what is so and reveal and what is revealed in his word that you choose what his word says rather than what everybody else says. And so what happens is you read the Bible, that's exactly what happens, and it cleanses us, and not only that, it consecrates us. And you see that in verse number 10. More to be desired than gold, yea, than fine gold. In other words, God's word, this, this is so true, it changes your desire. Changes your want to. Instead of craving gold or things, you crave God. And you know, as I was reading this today, I thought, my gracious, you know, I just pray that in my heart I crave God more than things. Because now most of us have lived long enough, we figured it out. Things is not the thing. Could I have an amen to that? I mean, like, we've got too many things now. You know, people, we, we have so much things, we have to put them in storage buildings. We can't even get them in our house. Put, have, have sheds out back. Uh, put them under the bed, in the attic. That's the next step to the graveyard. Uh, you know, you put something in the attic, you don't just take a picture of it and kiss it by. It's gone. But we just keep getting more stuff, you know. I said to Dot the other day, we were in our living room, and, and I said, you know, one thing for sure, we won't buy any more furniture for this room because we'd have to hang it from the ceiling. I mean, it's, you know, we, we got a piano. I'm so proud of this piano. And soon, Dottie wants one Sunday to 
play for you. She's working. She used to play the piano a lot, but she kind of. But she's coming back, and it's just such a beautiful thing. To, so we put that in the living room. Had to kind of rearrange some things. But isn't it kind of true? Don't we all just have a lot of things? But I pray we don't crave things. Nothing wrong with having things, but there's something bad wrong when we crave things. And so God's word helps us with that. And then God's word corrects us. Look in verse number eleven. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. And so this is the reason it's important to memorize Scripture and uh, memorize God's Word. You know, you're in Psalm. If you go over in Psalm, turn over, you're in Psalm 19. Go to Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the whole Bible. Psalm 119. I want you to mark a verse. Verse 18. I encourage you every day, whatever your Bible reading plan is, this is a must verse. I pray it every morning. Psalm 119, verse 18. Watch it. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law, from your word. Remember, law is a synonym to God's word. So, you know, before I read my Bible, I say, God, now, would you just open my eyes today that I see what I need to see in what I am going to be reading today. And then while you're in Psalm 119, turn, turn over in verse 105. Now, you've got Psalm 119, verse 18, Mark, and write down 105. It's another must. Your word, I was talking about God's word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Boy, I need both. We all need both. And so that is a beautiful thing. Now, David's, this psalm concludes with two things. Go back in Psalm 119. This psalm concludes with two things that we, uh, we, we need to do. And here's a good thing we can do. And, and here's what it is. Number, number one, uh, uh, we need to add the end of this psalm to our daily prayers. Look at it in verses 12 through 14. It says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. You know, sometimes we don't even see our own faults. Sometimes we think we have our faults hidden where others can't see them. Well, God sees them. God cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. That word means sins that are just knowing and deliberately, just, just high-handed, blatantly, you know, God, it's kind of both ends there, secret sins and presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of the great transgression. And then let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, that would be a good two verses there to, to kind of get it memorized pretty good. And in your prayers every day, add that. And then the other thing we need to do is this, is this matter of meditate. You might want to underline it down in verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. That word meditation is a verb. And verbs are action words. Meditation has action to it. Meditation doesn't mean we just sit in a chair and take a nap. No, no. You, you can sit in a chair to meditate, or you can stand up to meditate, or you can lay in the bed and meditate. But what does meditate mean? Literally, this word means to ponder by talking to yourself scriptures you just you read something and you ponder it you think about it what does it say what does it mean how does it apply to my life so here's something we need to work at doing not just say okay today I need to read these this chapter I read this chapter got it all taken care of well that's good 
But when it's really good is when you meditate over what you read. You'd be better off to read half the chapter and meditate over it than you would be to read two chapters and just close your Bible and think anything about it. So this is what we need to do. You know, the word meditate oftentimes in the Bible uh, would be, the, it'd be equivalent to the word study. And a picture of meditate, have you ever watched a cow chew its cud? You know, cow just, just kind of chew that cow's, I don't know if that cow's meditating or not, but it's pondering something. Well, let me just kind of chew on the Scripture, think about the Scripture, and apply it. It just is a blessed thing. The old saying someone said long ago, this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. So I just want to encourage you, uh, if you want to go by the bookstore and pick up the book, it might be just the thing that would help you kind of move to the next level. But you don't have to have the book to move to the next level. You've got this book. But I do want to encourage you. you know, you're the Wednesday night group. Uh, it's not trying to memorize a hundred verses. Just start. You know, start somewhere and, and begin to memorize verses. And, and then many times when you're just reading your Bible, a verse will just jump up at you almost. And you say, man, I need, I need to memorize that verse. And you're going to be amazed. When one day you need it, you'll have it. And one day when you're around some other people, it'll come to you, hey, this might be just what would help that person.